The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to chapel. It's my pleasure to introduce our speaker this morning, Reverend Tom Morrison. He received his MDiv from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He served as the associate pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church in New Haven, Connecticut. He was also the campus campus chaplain at Yale uh, through RUF. And since 2002, he's been the pastor of High Desert URC in Apple Valley. He's married with three children and a dear friend and brother, and we're delighted that you're able to come and bring the word for us this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Tedrick. And thank you for giving me an hour and a half to preach. That's great. The piety here is just amazing. I'd like to... um, preach a very short sermon, actually, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. This is Luke, chapter 15, hear God's word. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not seek a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I'll arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. 
And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. We thank you, dear Father, for your holy inspired word. We pray that we would give careful attention to it. We pray, Father, that you would help your servant to preach it well, accurately, and that we would hear both the law and the gospel. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as we all know, repentance is necessary in coming to Christ, and repentance is necessary as we continue our Christian walk. But according to Luke chapter 15, repentance is not the first step. Being found by God is the first step, which is followed by repentance. So the uh, Pharisees and scribes in Jesus' day believed that a person had to first repent and then find his way to God. But Jesus teaches that people need only be humble and willing to be found by God, after which they will repent instinctively. So our passage begins with the Pharisees and the scribes accusing Jesus of receiving sinners and eating with them. In response, Jesus tells them one parable, but it's a parable in three parts. There's the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost sons. Each part has a loss, a discovery, and a celebration. So to be clear, there's only one parable here in three parts. The first part is about a lost sheep. As the story goes, there are 100 sheep. One of them becomes lost. The shepherd leaves the flock and goes after the sheep. The flock here represents the Pharisees and scribes who are described as needing no repentance. Of course, when Jesus says this, he's being sarcastic. Of course they need repentance, but they just don't believe it. Therefore, this story is about the Pharisee scribes and the lost person who's wandered off from God. Jesus says that the Pharisees are guilty of not caring about the lost ones among them. The Pharisees and scribes thought they, they were pure, and if others wanted to be like them, they needed to work for it. They believed sinful people, like lost sheep, had to find their way to God. But the true shepherd, Jesus, doesn't wait for the lost. He goes after them. For sheep, people, 
become lost easily. Jesus' point to the Pharisee scribes, as one theologian says, is that the sheep is willing to be found or discovered and carried back. That is, the sheep is completely helpless and can do nothing to help Jesus in the process of restoration or repentance from sin. The sheep, that is, the person cannot work. He can only be compelled to repent by the love of the good shepherd, Jesus. True repentance, then, is a person confessing he can do nothing and Jesus must do everything. And it is the power of his atoning love and his word that moves him. The person is always passive and moved only by the Holy Spirit as he works through the preaching of the word. This parable ends with a celebratory meal. The shepherd comes back to the village, not the flock, to celebrate among friends and neighbors. There's tremendous rejoicing in heaven because of the repentance of just one sinner on earth. The question is, is the flock still in the wilderness? Will the flock that is Israel come to celebrate with family and friends in the village? Will there be repentance among the legalistic Pharisees? Jesus has in fact invited sinners to his banquet table. Will the sinful Pharisees attend is the question. So in this first story, the first part of the parable, there is a loss, there is a discovery, and there is a celebration. Same thing with the lost coin. This poor woman has lost one of her 10 silver coins, and what she lost is very significant and very difficult to find. According to one uh, theologian that spent a lot of time in the Middle East, he describes the typical household during this time to be about the size of a one-car garage. It was constructed out of black basalt. The floors were black basalt stones. The windows were small slits uh, above the head level. And so you can imagine it would be very hard to find a lost coin among the floor that has a lot of cracks in it. Therefore, the woman has to light a lamp in the small, dark house. She has to sweep the entire house carefully, looking among the cracks and the dust. And this is hard detailed work. The coin represents a lost sinner. Now the helplessness of the sinner is heightened through the lifelessness of the coin. The coin, of course, can't jump up, it cannot maneuver, it cannot wave to be found. It can only lay there dead, as it were, until the woman comes to it. But this is exactly what she does. She discovers a coin after diligently searching for it as a loving, nurturing woman that she is. The coin can only be willing, as it were, to be found or repent as a woman finds it. And so it is with Christ. He searches diligently and tirelessly for his lost ones. It is hard and it is thankless work, but he does it anyway. The lost ones become repentant, you see, and they experience the diligence of Christ. So after the woman finds the coin, she gathers her friends and neighbors to have this celebratory meal. There's tremendous joy because she's found the coin that was lost. And so there's tremendous joy in heaven when even one sinner on earth repents. So the celebratory meal on earth reflects the celebration in heaven. But in this revelation of discovery, there's judgment upon the Pharisee scribe. He had lost many coins, as it were. He's been careless. 
Would these Pharisee scribes or anyone else for that matter repent of their sin and turn to Christ as he beckons them? Would they or anyone join Christ at his table confessing that they are sinners? Again, there is a loss, there is a discovery, and there is a great celebration. Same thing happens with the lost sons. Now here in this part of the story, it may seem that the loss is not as great in comparison to the lost sheep and the lost coin. After all, the point is the sheep is a great picture of helplessness and the coin even more so. But it seems that the two sons here are perfectly capable of understanding their sin and uh, repenting from it, getting their act together. But that's not the point. A lost sinner is even more helpless than the sheep or the coin. He is under God's wrath and curse, pinned down by it. Case in point, the younger son is so lost, he is so wicked, he is so cursed, that he asks for this early inheritance from his father. In this culture, of course, as you can imagine, this is the ultimate insult, and any sort of request would be met ordinarily by punishment. After the gracious, loving father grants him his share, fully realizing the community will ostracize him and even excommunicate him from the community, he lets him go. The scene here is not a house in the country, but a house in a village where the family lived off the land. So they would live in the village, work the land across from the village. And the village has already made its judgment, for sure, behind the watching father. The son is so full of wickedness and death, he quickly wastes all of his money in luxurious living. Then he has to hire himself out to a hated Gentile in order to feed his pigs, unclean pigs among which he lives. Then after feeling as if he might starve, he composes a plan in which he can at least find shelter and food. He will go back to his father confessing his sin and ask to be his servant. He has indeed been humbled at this point, but is he truly repentant is the question. But what he does and thinks at this point is not the point. It's the father discovering that his lost son is there. Now remember, the father is not standing alone in some field. He's standing among the villagers who are angry with the son and they are surely willing to perform this excommunication ceremony. But then, even when the son was far off, dead in his sins and transgressions, burdened by the curse of God, the father sees him, feels compassion, runs to him, embraces him, and kisses him. Of course, he does this to, to the complete and utter shock of the townspeople who are ready to lynch him because they understand how bad and sinful he is. Added this, of course, is a father, this dignified Jewish father, running to his son in his long robes. It's embarrassing. And then the son recites his prepared statement, remember, about his sin against God and the father. After all, he had already expressed remorse and repentance when, according to verse 17, he came to himself. But no, he had not been repentant. He was hungry and he decided to use his father for food. It makes sense, he was starving to death. So this coming to himself 
was not repentance, it was selfishness. But when the father ran to him and found him, he became truly sorry for the sin and truly repented. He was found by his father, is the point. He didn't come to the father. The father came to him, and it was his love and his compassion that frees him from servitude. Notice he does not mention slavery in his prepared statement because in an instant, the lost son who was dead in a sin, weighed down by God's curse, is raised to eternal life. Not because he decides to get his act together and not because he is satisfied that he's committed some act of penitence, but because the father, that is Jesus, comes to him in his infinite love and compassion. Now the son believes. Now he has repented of his sin and has turned to the father. The father in response calls for the best robe, ring, and shoes for his feet. He calls for a great celebration for his son was dead and now he is alive. He is lost and now he is found. Indeed, this repentance and faith as a gift from God is the instrument through which he is justified. Even as a crowd stares in unbelief at this son, he is still wicked and still sinful, but now he's clothed with the righteousness of Christ. The son has not worked and his heart is still wicked, but the work of Christ, the son, is counted to him as righteousness. So there was a great loss, there was a great discovery, and now, as with the sheep and the coin, there's a great celebration. So this celebration is huge, it is elaborate, and is given to one lost sinner who has repented. The older brother, when hearing about the celebration, is furious. When his father asks him to come in, the son argues with him, and of course, this is a real slap in the face. The brother's anger seems to make sense. He has served his father faithfully and obeyed him, yet he hasn't had any huge feast with which to share with his friends. Yet when his sinner brother wastes his inheritance, he gets a big feast. The brother argues, I have worked. I have earned a right to be favored. But the father assures his older son that whatever he has is his. But it was his prerogative to celebrate by feasting because his son was dead and is now alive. He was lost and he was found. Therefore, you see, the parable closes with a stinging word to the Pharisee scribes. They are the older brother casting scorn on the younger brother or those who believe that they are the sinners. But further, they are very smug about their own ability to come to God when they need to confess that God comes to them. Then and only then will they be able to repent and turn to him. Will they be willing to repent like the sinners? In conclusion, we, brothers and sisters, are the younger brother. We are the ones who had spurned Christ and hated him and spat in his face. We are the lost sinner a million times over who has taken his love for granted and has given him lip service, offering lame excuses as to why we have not come to him in repentance. But Christ is the good shepherd. He is the diligent mother, and above all, the loving and compassionate father 
who has seen us far off dead in our sins and transgressions. God in Christ is the one who has chosen us and has come to us by his spirit, raising us to eternal life, which causes repentance in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your heavenly word and how it presents to us the risen Christ. Lord, we confess to a person that we do not deserve your grace and love. However, you've poured out these things upon us. So Father, help us to be grateful all of our lives for the gospel. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Copyright 2022, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.